On this Saturday morning, time once again for a wine chat with our friend from Haskell's, Jack Farrell. Good morning, Jack. Uh, what do they say? Is it hot enough for you? <laughs> chat with our friend from Haskell's, Jack Farrell. Good morning, Jack. Uh, what do they say? Is it hot enough for you? <laughs> I know he's there. Rose of summer. We've got another three, five weeks of summer left and have this. Nice weather for the holiday weekend. It's just great. And they've got all those stations at the fair where you can get misted to cool off. Not so bad. No, that makes a big difference, those misting stations, for sure. Yeah. What are we going to talk about today? Well, today I thought we'd talk about it. I had a friend call me yesterday from New Zealand to talk about some wines. And I thought, you know, it's been years and years since we've discussed New Zealand and New Zealand wines, etc., New Zealand is a relatively newcomer to the world of wine. Uh, in fact, you know, it was one of the latest, last places colonized by the Brits, and that, you know, occurred hundreds of years after our colonization in the United States. And it's two big, beautiful islands. If you get the opportunity, it's a great place to visit, etc. But what they really did there was create the worldwide demand we have today for Sauvignon Blanc. There's absolutely no doubt about it. If it wasn't for New Zealand, Sauvignon Blanc wouldn't be nearly as popular as it is today. And there's a reason for that. You know, New Zealand had a very unusual history with wine. It's kind of funny. It parallels the United States a little bit. You know, they they started later in the mid-1800s planting a few vineyards here and there and concentrating mainly not so much on table wine, uh, but on fortified wines, that is ports and sherries, because it was colonized kind of by blue-collar English people who preferred meat and beer. And uh, so if they had wine, it was a sherry or a port, and there weren't many people drinking table wines. So they started to plant some table wines when the missionaries came, much like the United States missionaries in California, where they set up all those missions, and in each mission, of course, put a vineyard for communion wines. They did the same thing in New Zealand, and they had communion wines, and then they had fortified wine, but they weren't really big on table wine. There was no demand for it, really, because it was settled early on by British, Croatians, etc., uh, just didn't have much of a, a wine in their regular menus. But uh, then all of a sudden, much like the United States, you know, they went through the agony of depression, which closed a lot of wineries. And they had an interesting thing, I always thought, in New Zealand. Uh, it, it didn't go away till the mid-60s. It was called Six O'Clock Swill. And what happened at is all the pubs closed at 6 o'clock. They stayed open one hour after businesses closed at 5 o'clock for people to have a drink, and they were closed on Sunday. So there was that kind of mentality that gave us uh, the great uh, part of our world where we uh, prohibition existed. There was that prohibition and anti-alcohol attitude all over New Zealand as well. Well, again, like our country, that changed a little bit with World War II, having sent all those New Zealand, the Kiwis, as they call them, uh, around the world to fight in the world in World War II. They picked up people were drinking wine, etc., with their meals in other countries, and they sort of latched onto that a little bit and began to 
expand table wine production throughout New Zealand. And then, of course, the really explosive, much as our country, interest in wine came with low, inexpensive air travel in the 60s. And that air travel, you know, let young people travel uh, to new exotic places, and they picked up people drinking wine with their meals. And sooner or later, they were off to the racetrack. And they concentrated on the Sauvignon Blanc because they thought they made a pretty good book, Sauvignon Blanc. And as one wine writer once wrote, uh, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is like inheriting the best from both of your parents. You know, everybody once in a while has a kid that has got all the fine features of the mother and the father. And so that happened with Sauvignon Blanc in New Zealand. It had the New World exotic aroma and wonderful fragrances, and the Old World kind of balanced, limey acidity. And combining both of those, the Sauvignon Blanc was pretty good. And, of course, then in 1985, uh, Oz Clark, who was a famous wine writer, particularly concentrating on wines from down under Australia and New Zealand, proclaimed that Cloudy Bay was the greatest Sauvignon Blanc made in the world. And he didn't have a lot of people disagree with him. And uh, as a matter of fact, there's a company in... France called Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy, which is one of the largest privately owned companies in the entire world. And they own, well, obviously, Louis Vuitton luggage and things like that. And they consider themselves a luxury company. They own Vouv Clicquot and Dom Perignon and uh, Moet and Chanda. And they also own Chateau Yacam, etc. Well, they went and bought Cloudy Bay which obviously then put Cloudy Bay in this ultra, ultra status as one of the finest wine areas of vineyards in the world. And it indeed was. I can remember the first time I had it, I thought uh, Sauvignon Blanc just couldn't be this good. Well, in New Zealand, this attitude led to explosive growth. The wine business in New Zealand has grown by 20%. Every year from 2000 to today. Now, that's incredible when you take anything and have that kind of growth. Now, granted, they started on a very small base. But to have that just indicates the wine is is really pretty good. And indeed, the wines of uh, New Zealand are just that pretty good, particularly uh, when you try their Sauvignon Blanc. You know, they have what they call a maritime climate there. And probably the most significant thing about maritime climates is they have very cool evenings. No matter how hot it gets during the day, in the evening it cools down quite a bit. And that produces wines with high acidity. And people who like Sauvignon Blanc are bound to like New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc because it it set a new standard around the world. In fact, it's kind of interesting to me that today Sauvignon Blanc is one of the most rapidly growing varietals here in the United States. Everybody, whether you have a vineyard in Washington or Oregon or Ohio or Texas, you're wanting to plant some Sauvignon Blanc and uh, put your name and label on that. And uh, Sauvignon Blanc, it's an interesting great type. I don't think it's as complex as Chardonnay, but it, it certainly has its 
rewards for the people who really like it. It goes so well with so many things. That crisp acidity is terrific with almost any kind of seafood. Uh, and the New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs, as I said, seem to combine the old charm of, say, a Sancerre and the new brashiness of something like Frog's Leap Sauvignon Blanc from California. You mix those together, you're bound to get a pretty good bottle of wine. And, of course, now the folks in New Zealand are starting to plant Pinot Noir, and their Pinot Noirs are quite delicious. They're grown in different parts. These are big, two big, long islands, North Island and South Island, and great place to visit. They have things there that they call lodges, which we would call a country inn, and they are just remarkable. And I remember being in a lodge there over 30-some years ago that had the little, our, our rooms there were so technically advanced. I'd never stayed in a hotel that advanced. It had, when you set your foot on the floor, the all lower uh, half of the entire room lit up. And of course, that's pretty common today. But at the time, you never saw that. And these lodges were on top of it. And some of them combined great art collections, etc. So there were seeing, there's a lot of them. Uh, there's probably 15 or 30 around New Zealand. They're hard to get into, uh, but there are plenty of them. And they make a wonderful place to stay if you're traveling throughout New Zealand. And, of course, water rafting there is some of the best there is. It's great, great fun, hiking, biking, etc. cetera. Uh, and the cuisine in New Zealand is very good, too. You know, they have had years and years of perfecting beef and lamb because before they produced wine in New Zealand, it was pretty much an animal agriculture uh, country and what it did is had lots of sheep and lots of cows and they shipped off that meat dairy products and wool to around the world new zealand wool today is still highly regarded and they still have a lot more sheep than they do people but uh it's changed a little and you know today there's over 150,000 acres of vineyards in new zealand 70 percent of which i might add are Sauvignon Blanc. So they're still concentrating on loving that Sauvignon Blanc. And uh, as I said, they're perfecting it. And the New Zealanders, the Kiwis, are doing a wonderful job. I remember being there with Kim Crawford. And incidentally, people who like to drink Kim Crawford, which is a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Kim is a man, not uh, a female. We think of the name Kim with women usually. But uh, he is indeed a guy and a great guy, and we tasted wine. And what my interesting thing about tasting wine with him is the wine was tinned. We hear corked wine. Well, as you know, the Stelvin Top screw cap really started in New Zealand. They popularized it, and almost 95% of the wine produced in New Zealand is used with a screw top, including Cloudy Bay, their most expensive and prestigious wine. But anyhow, we the screw top, the cork, and the inside went askew, and the wine was exposed to that metal inside the, the screw top, and it, it became like tin. It tasted a little like uh, when you open a can, that funny can tin smell you get. That was the taste of that tinned wine. Well, needless to say, they don't have a lot of tin wine anymore, and uh, they've done a wonderful job in New Zealand as they have exploded on the wine scene, uh, and believe me, if you get an opportunity, 
have a glass of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, or even try their new, uh, it isn't so new, they've been doing it decades now, but their Pinot Noir isn't as well known, and they're doing wonderful things with it. And, of course, when we think about the state fair, what could be better when you're having, say, uh, shrimp on a stick than have a nice glass of New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc? And incidentally, speaking of nice glasses, our State Fair Special 6 for 60 goes all the way through Labor Day at Haskell's, where we have six bottles of wine chosen by Ted Farrell uh, to go with whatever for $60. And uh, I guarantee you that those six bottles of wine will go with any food you want to take home from the State Fair because he's chosen them so well. And then on the subject of... Uh, doing things at Haskell's. Uh, our last and final uh, Stillwater boat cruise up and down the St. Croix is going to be in two weeks, uh, I think September 16th. So you can call any Haskell store or go online and still get on that. It's a wonderful afternoon. It starts at noon and goes to about three. Lots of wine, spirits, ciders, uh, beers, Etc. to try, as well as having a wonderful, lovely lunch and on the beautiful St. Croix River. So, at any rate, try a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. You won't be disappointed. In fact, try any wine from New Zealand. You probably won't be disappointed. Absolutely. And you can find all those great wines we talk about right there at Haskell's. The folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine. They love to pair wine. If you're having a picnic, or you're having a seven-course dinner, they can help you pick the wine that will go perfectly with whatever you're having. And best of all, they'll pick a wine that won't break the bank. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington. There's a Haskell's in Excelsior right at the Excelsior Dock. In Fairbolt, we're right off at 35W. Our Maple Grove Superstellar is not to be missed. 22,000 square feet of wines from all over the world. In Minneapolis, there's free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's the Haskells at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come in, go to Haskells.com and visit our website. And don't forget, we do deliver. Fantastic. Jack, let's hear from you next week. I'm going to look forward to that, Denny. Thanks very much. Jack Farrell from Haskells.